0: Hello, Tome Show listeners. We have a special treat for you today. The awesome Wade Rocket of Pelgrane Press has given the Tome Show the audio from their 13th Age Gen Con seminars. 13th Age is a great fantasy RPG designed by Rob Hinesu, one of the lead developers of 4th Edition d and Jonathan Tweet, one of the lead developers of 3rd Edition d d 13th Age has been described as a spiritual successor to 4th edition D&D. It has tactical combat elements, but it also integrates narrative role-playing game elements right into the system. This is the kind of game that might interest D&D players, so we thought our audience would enjoy hearing these seminars. Thank you for listening.
1: Okay, good morning everyone. Thank you for coming. Welcome to 13th Age, the State of the Empire, and Gen Con Day 4! woo Quiet here on day four. It is. <laughs> we're still here. We're still alive. <laughs> Not dead yet. Only those with true grit. Yes. And we are chock full of that man. <laughs> uh, so, uh, on this panel, we're going to talk about uh, noteworthy uh, events of the past year of Thirteenth Age. Uh, what's out now, and then what is coming. In the future, Uh, I am, of course, Wade Rocket, a community relations guy for 13th Age. Uh, We may have interacted on Twitter, Google+, or Facebook, either as myself or as 13th Age. (laughs) Um, And I've edited uh, a couple of uh, projects like Deep Magic and uh, Midgard Bestiary with Ash Law um, and designed an adventure for Kobold Press as well as uh, just sort of
2: doing PR and marketing for Pellgrin and Fire Opal. Uh, To my right, I'm Jay Schneider, Um, I am basically the executive producer person over at Fire Opal, which means I handle all the the behind-the-scenes stuff on absolutely everything, and yeah, we're small enough that one EP is everything, and then some, and so today I suspect I'm going to be backfilling um, Ash Law, which is one of, not backfilling Ash, but backfilling people is another one of my duties. So, I'll be talking about the organized play things, what's, where we've gotten to this year, and where we're going next year. Yeah, th- this year, I'm also the proxy for Rob Hainso,
3: who couldn't be here. So. <laughs> it's difficult to channel, though. He really is surprisingly difficult to channel. So, I'm uh, Simon Rogers, co owner of uh, Pelgrim Press and publishers of The 13th Age. Um, and I work quite closely with uh, Rob Hainso, determining what products we are going to put out and getting excited about uh, what we can deliver, not just for people who are buying the games, but for our own campaigns, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that that's uh, one of the reasons
1: that uh, 13th Age and Pilgrim are such a good fit, is that Pilgrim is, uh, they commission and publish the games that they want to play, and, uh, and which they can use at their own tables, and uh, 13th Age is the game that Rob Hainso and Jonathan Tweed play with their friends on Wednesday nights and so uh, so it was a really good uh, really good partnership and Fire Opal and Pilgrim work very very closely on the entire line.
2: Yeah I mean from the Fire Opal perspective we were formed because we wanted to make the games we wanted to make and not what someone else told us to. So that's why you have 13th Age. Yeah. Excellent.
1: So, um, and we will be taking questions Throughout, we want to hear uh, uh, what you want to know, and we'll do our best to answer, um, and we'll be asking you some questions as well. But the first time you ask a question, we will ask you to state your one unique thing. (laughs) Not necessarily your one unique thing. We're thinking more of your character, and uh, if you're a GM, then just let us know uh, your favorite uh, player character's Uh, one unique thing. So... Thirteenth Age, over the past year. Uh, this, I think, was the year that the product line really kicked into high gear and we started seeing a lot of releases and a lot of support for the system. Um, Simon, is that, a, is that an accurate assessment?
3: Yes, uh, particularly um, uh, adventure material uh, this year with um, the Stone Thief and all the uh, free organized play adventures, um, but also uh, Strangling Sea, which is an introductory adventure which came out actually at at the con, and um, Shadows of Elderland, which is a a lovely little compact um, city book for first to second level characters. Uh, But the Stone Thief is the big monster in the room. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's it's such a big monster that it
1: eats the room and then submerges. (laughs) Ash Law, ladies and gentlemen. Any award-winning designer and head of organized play. Ash, and come up here. you're
2: supposed to be sitting in this
0: chair. I am? Okay. You are? <laughs>
4: <laughs> I'll just show up. I'll sit with a guest of honor. I, I, I figured I'd show up and you know, sit in the audience. And...
1: Ash, please introduce yourself.
4: So I'm Ash Law, um, or as my roommates now insist upon calling me, uh, any award-winning Ash Law. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I run the organized play program for 13 Page, and write uh, most of the adventures for that. Pretty cool job to
1: have. <laughs> Ash is, uh, of course, uh, working on an adventure that we'll be talking about, uh, Shards of the Broken Sky. Um, i worked on it. It's...
4: it's words. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: yes. Um, and uh, as well as many other things that are, uh, are coming up in the future, uh, which we'll get to. But, uh, but right now, we're talking about uh, what this year has been like, and it's been a year of adventure, Simon
3: has been saying. Yes, the, the, the Eyes of the Stone Thief. Um, the, the concept is that uh, the Stone Thief is one of the great living dungeons of the, of the 13th age, but it has a personal vendetta against you. So it's eaten your village, uh, your town, your friends. Um, and the model, in fact the code name for the book originally was Moby Dungeon. <laughs> so that, the idea was it was the great white whale uh, and you were Ahab. And you have to find out how to defeat this vast thing and you can't do it. You have to build up from fourth level all the way up to epic tier, and it can make appearances when it wants. Um, So you can, whenever you want to add a a chunk of weird, fantastical dungeon to your campaign, the stone thief can emerge, um, and it's an excuse, because it constructs itself, it's an excuse for all the kind of weird nonsense you can put in uh, D&D dungeons without um, uh, the... Uh, worrying about the ecosystem, you know, how are the otters being fed down here, which is sort of, that's not the sort of thing you worry about. So it can be played as a huge campaign or you can just dive into it or it can dive into you whenever it wants.
1: And in terms of um, the books that uh, that people are buying, I mean, what do you see as being the, the ones that are seeing the most interest in terms of sales?
3: Well. It's interesting because they, all, of the, all of our releases after um, the core book have all sold about the same, which is strange, oh. in a way, uh, you know, give or take 10-15%, uh, but the one thing we haven't done yet is a, uh, a player-facing book. All of our books so far have been for almost primarily for game masters, unless a game master is silly enough to let their players have the book of loot, mm-hmm. which, you yeah. know, it's, not, it's a bit ill-advised <laughs> um so we we're, we're interested t- in seeing what happens when a, uh when we do a, a book for players um, and I suppose that's something t- to talk about when we move on to forthcoming stuff yes
1: uh this past year also saw the uh, tremendous growth and sort of coming of age of our organized play program and uh, so Ash and jay maybe you can talk a little bit about uh how that, where where we are now with organized play and and how it's grown and
2: I'll start with the structure and you go to the creative? yeah yeah can okay, you start with structure. so starting with structure so y'all are have all signed up for the organized play on the Pelgrane Press site right if you haven't uh, absolutely please go there just search for thirteenth age organized play you'll get to you a page with a link sign in put in the form it does all sorts of wonderful things for you first of all several thousand of you who've done it which is kind of awesome. Um, the bulk of whom, courtesy of several very small surveys that we've sent out over the last year, are mostly GMs, which is really kind of great. Um, and basically, by doing this, over the last year we've shipped a total of actually 16 modules to people um, who started off from day one. And it's been this epic journey that um, Ash has written about this. and. You know, it's just honestly been kind of overwhelming, especially since it culminated in that lovely little medal right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so go ahead and talk a little bit about what's inside of there.
4: Okay, so uh, it's a type of medal. So uh, season one is uh, adventures all focused on specific icons. So you have uh, the Witch King's crown. Uh, you have uh, Shadowport Shuffle. You have of your chord. Uh, so you have uh, each each adventure is focused upon a specific icon. There are some adventures in there which are not focused on a specific icon. Uh, fungaloid infection, uh, where you go into uh, dwarven town, uh, some fungus attack the dwarven mayor is like you outsiders. You of course, of this, go and sort out this problem. Go in a bit. new fungaloid race from the east. Uh, there's uh, Folding of Screamhaunt Castle, which I, I really want to write now return to Screamhaunt Castle.
2: Yes, there is next year, you realize. Next
4: next year, next year. Maybe we'll do that as our You know, Halloween is coming soon. <laughs> coming soon. <laughs> tournament. Folding of, return to the Folding of Screamhorn Castle, which is a... Uh, unfolding. Unfolding. The Unfolding <laughs> of Screamhorn Castle. Uh, so, Folding of Screamhaunt Castle is a horror-themed game and you can run it very Rocky Horror Picture Show, or you can run it very Red Rose, Stephen King, coming out from walls at you. Uh, so that, that takes you from Levels 2 to Level 8, uh, with last season, and we were a bit cagey about what the icons were doing last season. The overarching plot, you know, players had feedback, asked people at conventions what's happened, which helped to shape the overarching plot it was Prince of Shadows is setting up the Lich King to take a fall. Uh, scattered throughout it, there are these... In fact, how many people are still playing for it? Nobody? I haven't started yet. I have to still. Okay, come to your ears. Come to your ears. So, um, <laughs> I'll be running it, so it doesn't matter. Uh, so there's this uh, tiefling woman, uh, Shezhakar, who keeps turning up. Even if you kill her, she turns up at the next adventure. And in one of the... I think it's one of the eighth level adventures, the one that's uh, focused upon the. Uh, great Gold Globe. It turns out but it's not the same woman. There's a whole cult of these people who have magical cosmetic surgery and they act as the Prince of Shadows agents. But it wasn't really obvious what was going on last season until you got to the end. Whereas this coming season, we're being very super obvious about what is happening, which is in a past age, uh, the Archmage, uh, a pra- past Archmage, uh, gathered up all these living dungeons and this monstrous race that was this huge problem. Gathered them all into a ball, cast them out into the void, and that's that never come, going to come back to most of So, uh, so the, the coming uh, season is all about these uh, things called star masks, and they are. Like, they look like white porcelain masks, so you meet people with white porcelain masks, and oh, they're scary. But they, they're actually they're living things, they've got tentacles, they latch onto your face, they take you over. If they find a corpse, their eggs will crawl inside the corpse and animate the corpse, and you're like, oh, it's a zombie. Well, yes, it's a zombie, but we're spelling it with an X, it's a zombie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so they're not undead, they're aberrations, and they... Uh, they, they can grab hold of stuff, they can mutate stuff. So in Race to Starport, we have a mutated uh, dragon who's like had a mask latch onto him, which now kind of working for the star masks. So we're, we're going to see some familiar monsters with unfamiliar masks. Mm. Uh, we're going to see a lot of. Um, so previously, we had uh, adventures focused upon a specific icon. Uh, the way that going forwards we're going to do it is we will give icon options for particular scenes for particular monsters. So that if your group is all about, we, we really hate the Lich King and we really like the High Druid, then your GM will go, oh icon option, High druid for this monster. And everything will be very Lich Kingy y High Druid for your group. Another group who really likes the Archmage will have a lot of Archmage themed stuff going on in the adventure. But it was going to be the same adventure you're running through, dealing with these star masks, these meteorites, and stuff that's coming from that.
1: And and speaking of content that uh, you get, unless, Jay, you wanted to chime in. Oh, um, did you want
2: me to go forward, or go ahead? Uh, I actually wanted to talk a bit about 13th Age Monthly, because that was something Ah, new and interesting. So, certainly, 13th Age Monthly is a new product that we have coming out. There's six episodes?
3: Um, I think it started in... um, January. January it did start in January the the, the, the history of it is that uh, as co-owner of uh, Pro Fantasy Software we did a cartographer's annual so every month there's new map making uh, styles and tools and so on um, and we then <coughs> thought we'd try that out <coughs> with Pellgrain. so the first attempt at that uh, was Ken writes about stuff which is now on uh, volume 3 uh, and then I got talking to Rob and we thought well It's just a perfect thing for all his mad ideas compressed down into bite-sized chunks uh, every month. Um, And they're all beautifully illustrated and laid out like tiny little supplements. Um, And it it helps us build the art of of 13th age, what it can do, and try some things out that maybe we wouldn't otherwise have done. Um, And that's going very well. And now we're going to be tying that into... Uh, the Organized Play Program. Sure. So um, the first year, you signed up, um,
2: and you still have access to, basically we'll send you to a Google Doc page which links to, um, you know, 16 Adventures. Um, it's actually nicely indexed. We're probably going to move that page to the Pell Green site sometime in the future. But you'll have access to that archive, so this is not a, I need to rush out and download it right now. It's not going anywhere. Um, but you you know, might as well to read them. Mm -hmm. Um, So for this next year, though, uh, the first three modules, we're going to be doing the same thing. Um, After that, we're going to be providing them in a couple of different ways. The first way is if you have 13th age monthly subscription, um, I'm going to sneak a little bit into some of the Pell website is being updated. And there's going to be inside of basically your account a bookshelf page. And that bookshelf will have a um, 13th Age Monthly or Organized Play tab. Sorry, I'm having to go from what Simon's given me on this. And anyway, you'll have a tab which will have all your adventures on them from the Organized Play system. Um, If you don't subscribe to 13th Age Monthly but still want to do it, we provided another easy and way to do it. Go to your favorite local store that carries 13th Age. If they carry 13th age and are part of our Bits and Mortar program, then they'll have it available for use right there. Um, and those are the two ways that
3: you know, you'll know you be able to get the new season that Ash was talking about. Um, and as long as you have a current subscription, you get whichever organized play adventures are being released um, as they are released. We haven't got an absolutely firm release schedule for those, but there should be a decent number of them. We've seen how many we've done for the for the first season, Um, and there is already lots and lots of lovely free content uh, out there for people to begin their organized play, and this just takes it on to the next stage. It's I I believe that uh, Ash is committed to doing 13 uh,
1: um, adventures in this season.
4: Yes. And
1: so if you subscribe to 13th Age Monthly, then you are going to get them um, through 13th Age Monthly until 13th Age Monthly, that season ends. That subscription ends, um, and then when you subscribe to the next one, you'll continue to to receive the adventures. So the calendars don't exactly match up, but um, it's just that if you subscribe to Thirteenth Age Monthly, you get the organized play adventures. Period.
2: And just a quick note from Fire Opel's perspective: one of the reasons we won't give you an exact schedule is we don't ship a module till we're happy with it. I mean, just yeah, you know, there's a choice: ship bad stuff or ship. When it's you were happy with it, and to be honest, nothing. I mean, none of our organized play modules have shipped until Rob has gone over, reviewed every last detail. Ash made the revisions, and then you know, gone through a full review process.
1: And, and as you might know, Rob is uh, is very protective of Thirteenth Age and has uh, very high standards for quality. So yeah, he takes a close look at at things that are coming out with the Thirteenth Age logo on them. that
2: will be why
3: your free product one day. <laughs> yes. That said. Uh, 13th Age Monthly absolutely has to hit its schedule and also hit its quality standards. Yes. Uh, but we have been doing this for, ooh, getting on 10 years, and we've never, we've never missed a month on any annual that we've uh, uh, done. Mm. Certainly. Uh, does anyone here not
1: subscribe to 13th Age Monthly? I haven't Ah, okay. May I ask why? And this is not to put you on blast, but it's just out of, out of curiosity, if you run Thirteenth Age uh, and, and like it and we have the subscription of content, what, uh, what barriers are on the way of you subscribing? Uh, me personally, I, I haven't actually run it yet. I've been evangelized by this man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, just exactly. so I just bought it yesterday. I feel like I've it already, but I haven't okay. To okay. dig into it yet.
4: I, I haven't run it either. I own a number of books. Um, and I want to something that interests me, I just haven't gotten around to it. Okay. I, I like the fact that it's going to come in a PDF format, and I don't have to find more bookshelf space, so I think that's
1: a good That yeah. is very nice. Yeah, it, uh, I mean, I put the question out to our uh, Google Plus community, which is a very, very strong and active uh, 13th age community, and they give us a lot of interesting feedback, so I just like to check in, and when people do or do not like what we're doing, or like what we're doing, but hesitate about something, it's good to know.
4: I I will definitely do it.
1: I
0: was totally sold with the dragon riding.
1: Oh, yeah, no. Well that was Thirteenth Age Monthly did solve one problem that came up with the Thirteen True Ways Kickstarter, which is Rob saying, Hey Wade um, do you think anyone's going to mind that we didn't put dragon writing in the book after all? Like, I think you have to deliver dragon writing at some point. That was one of the main things we promised, and people really
2: wanted that. So this actually yes, happened you do. I was on the thread. Yeah, that Rob suddenly realized, oh no, we shipped the book this way, and asked way in that format. Yeah. Um,
3: but What's interesting to me about, because uh, you can buy single episodes yes. of, the, of the 13th age month if you don't want the whole thing. Um, you can you can pick and choose which ones you want, obviously you get a discount if you get them all. but the one that has done the best uh, is is actually the uh, the demon summoning so that's the the first one that is for for players and the, the summoning spells the summoning spells yeah um, and so whilst it was one I immediately printed out to take back home to give to people as treasure you 've now got a bunch of ways of screwing your characters over by having them summon demons that are working for you. Um, so that was really, really uh, a popular one compared with the more Game Master facing ones uh, which, which kind of brings me on to um, other products that we're doing. and um, We're going to be releasing um, some books which enhance uh, the classes uh, but they're not going to be traditional splat books. If you've seen what we've done, uh, what we do with Monsters what we do in the bestiary, um, uh, which follows on from a tradition of, uh, of other stuff we've done with Pelgrim, which is a monster isn't just a monster and a bunch of stats, it's a story, it's, uh, it's an adventure in itself. So all of our uh, 13th age monsters uh, in, in the bestiary are a few pages of, of ways of using those monsters, how they interact with the icons. Uh, <laughs> one example was um, what you might find in an orc's pocket, Mm-hmm. something that might either be meat
4: or cheese <laughs> <laughs> the last thing in that list is fleas
3: that I made full use of that so <laughs> it, it, it will include extra elements for your classes, talents and feats and so on, but it will also be how those feats interact with icons what organisations they might be able to join um, what, what things they might find uh, so tunneling them into the, the background and, and, and um, uh, enabling you to have the, the a bit more complexity to the simpler classes, for example. So, you know, the Paladin and the Barbarian are all, re- are all really simple. And maybe if someone's been playing a Barbarian for a while, they might go, well, you know, I can handle this. Give me some more stuff. Uh, so there'll be those kind of things. Um, and uh, we're intending to do, uh, divide the classes up into three um, and do them in, in groups rather than having one Splatbook per, per class. Um, and we're, I, th- I think, at least... One of them will certainly be out next year. Uh, maybe more, we'll see what happens.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And uh, battle scenes is, I know, something that you're very passionate about. Oh yes, yes. So, um, Because as a game master, well, I've got <laughs> I've got two game groups, okay. Yeah. One I used to play with when I was, I started playing with when I was 12. So we played um, AD&D uh, for about 20 years. Then we had a gap of four years when everyone kind of thought they'd grown up somehow. And then <laughs> got back in touch and we all had a nice lunch. And then one of them said, are you still, are you still playing D&D? Like, yes, I am. So we all get now, have got together now for uh, like a weekend every, every year for the past five years. Um, just a D&D. These are old school people that they've only ever played D&D with me, me having learnt it from the book. So God only knows what, proper AD&D is like <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's how I've been playing it but I thought I want them to play 13th age and they were like we're not, we're not going to play another game there's no way we're going to play a game so I started my campaign of of whispering telling the guy who loves all the undead stuff he should be playing a necromancer and he can have a minion he can set on fire I <laughs> uh, told the, uh, the magician that if he took to and evoke force salvo, you could do a thousand points of damage, <laughs> like, oh, okay we're getting there <laughs> um, so I carried on with this campaign, but then I thought uh, with AD&D I can just put together a, uh, an encounter with any monsters and oh, I know exactly how much damage they're going to do, I can probably tell you all the blooming hit dice, it's ridiculous <laughs> uh, but with 13th age, I didn't know at all, so and there's the, the lovely notes about how you balance encounters up, and I'm sure they're much simpler than find or whatever else, I'd have no idea. But the point is I didn't want to do any of that stuff. I wanted something easy I could pick up. Uh, I don't need particularly the story elements or the campaign elements. I have my own campaign. I can, we can make the stories up on the fly and 13th Face lets you do that. But what I wanted was interesting and exciting encounters I could just slot into places. So uh, we came up with the idea of battle scenes, which are, they are adventures in themselves, uh, but they're really, really carefully crafted so you can take any bits out you want, put the story on that you want um, with icon options and so on. So that it gave me comfort when I ran the first uh, session that I would be able to pick something up and I wouldn't even have to do more than spend 10 minutes reading it to be able to just run it. So the first one was um, uh, basically whitewater rafting past orcs. You had to get to their base and kill them before uh, they they're out hunting for you, you had to get back and, and heal them. So uh, Cal wrote this, this, this huge set of, uh, of, of these neat little battle scenes. Uh, and I've just been pulling them out in my campaign whenever I need them um, and, and running them. And so whatever they want to do to follow their story, you know you can grab something that will be properly balanced, that you can tweak if they're doing too well. The next scene you can add the extra stuff that it suggests. Um, and so you've got your Diabolist Circus, and you're going to have dragons and kobolds, and uh, it, it's a really, really useful resource. Um, <coughs> so we're publishing that in... It ended up being very big. Yeah. So we're publishing it in three uh, icon-themed volumes uh, called uh, High Magic and Low Cunning, uh, Battle Scenes for Five Icons, and then um, Powers Beside the Thrones, Followers for four, oh, sorry, Battle, Fire and Faith, Battle Scenes for Four Icons, and so on. So we're grouping them by icons rather than by levels so that you can take people up through. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. And they all have really nice maps uh, that you can download to go with them. Um, so I just think that's a fantastic resource that goes alongside you know, properly crafted adventures with all the details in. If you just need to pick something up and run it, it'll keep you going for you know, two or three years.
1: Yeah, it includes something for each tier, for each icon. And uh, adding to the uh, love that we're giving to GMs, um, Cal and I are working on a Game Master screen for 13th Age, seeing some thumbs up, <laughs> enthusiastic nodding, um, and following the, uh, the template set by um, the Keeper screen for Trail of Cthulhu, so it's going to be a, a beautiful and useful GM screen thirteenth age, and that will include a booklet that is a GM's guide. So, and this is something else that people have kind of wished for aloud online, and we've kept it in mind. Uh, so, we're collecting some of the GM advice and bits and rules that GMs frequently need to refer to, and uh, and combining them, as well as providing some new things. So, and so people, a lot of people have said over and over again, I really have having trouble figuring out what to do with the icons. We will have a section on the best thinking that people have come up with on on how to use icons and how to um, make them easy for GMs and players. Uh, Much like the um, Keeper's Guide, uh, I'm working on um, some number, perhaps 50 uh, NPCs with brief descriptions, perhaps icon connections, uh, three things about them that you can use to describe them and kind of bring bring them to life for the players as well as their role in combat if the players decide to attack them,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and, uh, and maybe some adventure hooks. So you can just quickly grab, it's like, oh, here is this um, very hostile shopkeeper who has you know, a horn growing out of you know, the center of his forehead for some reason mm-hmm. and, uh, and uh, keeps you know, fiddling with this bottle of some mysterious liquid. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I'm just making this up as I go. Mm-hmm. But it's like, oh, okay, I, shopkeeper, here's a weird shopkeeper. <coughs> Yes, what is your one unique thing, and what is your question?
0: Um, my one unique thing, my character is known as Mulgore the Mason, and he was a teenage crime lord. <laughs> <laughs> I was a teenage crime lord. Okay. When, when he was 13, he was shaking down halfings on the south side. Nice. <laughs> um, my question is, I know that you're partnering up with Roll 20. Um, yes. And that, 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 that all looks really cool. Have, has there been any discussion about possibly partnering up with Hero Lab? Um, are you familiar with Hero Lab? Oh yes, um, they've not
3: they've not talked to us, but uh, you know we, we don't have any exclusive arrangements for that sort of stuff. If someone gotcha. then they're very well respected. If they talk to us, I'm sure something could happen. Obviously, they have
0: a lot of useful. So I I use the only mm-hmm. the only Pathfinder products I get are through Hero Labs because oh, other people okay. use them. So when I'm playing Pathfinder, I use Hero Lab mm-hmm. to talk about of Bits on those things and, um, I was thinking that could also be very useful for you know GMs and players because you know, there's like you know, initiative tools and stuff like that built into it so. tell, tell Hero Lab. <laughs> <laughs> no, come no, talk, no, talk no. to Simon yes <laughs> I'll send an email yes
1: <laughs> um, I mean do we want to talk about any other I do you want
4: have to talk about it, the role 20
1: uh, yes but I also want to talk oh,
4: yeah, about yeah yeah do you want to do the shops first yeah, I'll do Shards first. So Shards of the Broken Sky is... It's difficult to talk about, actually, because there's that big thing that happens at the beginning which will be a surprise for players. Well,
3: I'll, I'll tell you the origin of this book. What we like to do is release a core book, and with the core book, we like to release a set of adventures. Uh, and this is that set of adventures, uh, doubled in size and released about three years late. <laughs>
4: <laughs> so Shards of Broken Sky is a modular sandbox. Uh, all taking place in roughly the same geographical location. Uh, and You could take, you could take a, a single dungeon, a single adventure from it and just extract that and use that in your own game. Mm-hmm. But it also have an, has an overarching... Uh, this event has occurred. I don't want to give too much away because if you're going to play through it, then it's going to be hopefully a big surprise. An event has occurred, so now there's a lot of dungeon-style environments happening. Uh, all over the place uh, it has uh, it has uh, three new races in the back of it so right. I'm hoping players are going to buy it <laughs> um, so uh, but not but only after they've discovered those races so there's uh, uh, Aza uh, the fire dwarves as a playable race uh, there are Ophidians uh, Snake people as a playable race and Oozfolk, sentient humanoid oozes nice. Uh, Ties to be on fire. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Very nice. Uh, did you want to talk about a, a bit about uh, roll twenty? I'm um, sure, but I also want to talk about the SRD. Oh yes, well, the SRD. Into that, into that, I think it should probably hit first. Yeah. So, have any of you all seen our lovely SRD for Thirteenth Age? Mm-hmm. Have so for the person, the gentleman in the back, who mentioned he just bought Thirteenth Age yesterday, we have a SRD or System Resource Guide which is for use in creating your own um, style of products. It's basically, 13th Age is an open uh, gaming license product. Um, It inherits from other products going all the way back to D&D 3. And as such, um, one of the things you can do is you can publish a system resource guide, which basically makes it easy for people to create things without stepping on the copyrighted portions of your book. And our system resource guide at last check, what, 300 pages or something? Um, it's huge. Um, there's also a version, two that we launched this year, which hopefully all have seen, which includes all the Bestiary uh, product. And um, right now, we have in review the 13 True Ways product. So version 3 will be coming out. I don't know if it's time to you yet, Cal, for editing, but Rob is reviewing it right now, and then it'll go to Cal, and then it'll go back to... Uh, by the way, let me compliment Chad Long. Chad has the world's worst writing job ever, taking um, you know the three volumes of 13th Age and distilling them into the core details, and he does this... Out of almost effectively the kindness of his heart, um, it is the most amazing, challenging work. You should respect him as an author for that um, task. It is no mean feat. How do we How you. do we
1: scrub Rob, D- Rob and Jonathan out of thirteen pages yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just provide the bare bones? Yeah,
2: and um, then goes through Rob's editing on it. <laughs> yes, in,
3: in terms of the use of this document for most people, though. Mm. So some people will use it to design games as a game master. If you can load. Uh, a word document with all the monsters in uh, and all the bits and pieces you need. It's cutting and pasting those things together to build your own adventures. If you want, like, a page of, of uh, your encounters all on one page, it's a really easy way of doing it. Um, I use the SRD all the time at the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah it's just it's also like the super fast
2: reference guide version. Um, so anyway, the SRD version three will be out um, once it finishes review. Um, you know, And by the way, remember, open, we finished things, we're done. Sea shards of the broken sky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and a nice thing about the
1: SRD is that uh, we also, of course, have a community license, and so uh, fan products can come out that have an official community use um, logo on it. And people, I know that a lot of people have been waiting for the 13 True Ways content to be added to the SRD before they create something, so um, I suspect that fairly soon, we'll see a new set of uh, power cards from Kazakami for Necromancer and
3: uh, the new classes. Can I ask a question of the audience, which is, how do you run initiative? I use a a a,
0: a modified thing called Popcorn Initiative. Right. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of it? Popcorn Initiative is where you roll initiative as normal, but the the initiative only matters as to who goes first. After you determine who goes first, that person, whoever went, has to pick someone else to go next, whether that be a good guy or a bad guy. Mm -hmm. Then the last person in the initiative gets to choose who starts the round, who starts the next round. Mm -hmm. So you have to let the monsters go, or they're going to get, like, potentially two turns in a row just rumble-thumping you with no response. So there's a little, and it it keeps people engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget where I found it. It was on some some game. I think it comes from blog. It comes from
3: Mutants and Masterminds. I think that's I where it originated. Remember, we use that's it, that's uh, how I do initiative. We in use hands. it in yeah. Time Watch. I mean, I, I was more how you practically handle. In your case, you've just people pointing. Yeah. Uh, how you practically handle what order things are? Because I was index cards. Out. So I have this one was, through ten written out and hand them out. This is what, yes. well, this yeah. is where I was going to with index cards because. Uh, Dry erase. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Dry, dry erase We're index of,
2: uh, um, I've seen the little three x five cards that they And you write like if you're running with a bunch of people, mm-hmm. you write their names in there, everybody rolls, throw the numbers on, and you can kind of like make lines or whatever with the dry erase
0: and you're done. Mm-hmm. Swipe so you the whole thing off. Their characters are still on there.
3: Okay. So
0: the at some supplement we use one of the old uh, Paizo uh, initiative tracking magnet boards mm-hmm. <laughs> where Everybody basically they put they put everybody on the board and then for my popcorn initiatives once they've gone they're removed from the board and then everybody's put back on. I
3: suppose what I'm trying to find out is I use I use index cards and I put the details of all the characters on them and then you know the monsters at least the name of the monsters goes on there. So I was wondering if they'd be interested. uh, They would be interested in a 13 page monthly uh, set of index cards with kind of monsters and and cut down characters so that you could. Put things in initiative order, and then when you you know you're going around the round, you you can, you can see them all.
4: It's funny because uh, no, so Which, uh, when I when I GM my group, I I use I use the way where you like. It. So you're going first, you get a card in front of you that says one. You're going second, you get a card that says two, mm. third, fourth, fifth. and Then you just look around the table. Whereas uh, M, who also GMs for our group because we swap on GM duties, she gets everybody's details. We one week uh Background and so forth, and then she writes in the corner what your initiative is, and then she just goes Mm. through the path. If you you hold your action, she'll slot you back in where your new initiative is.
3: So, is that something that would be of interest? It
4: wouldn't wouldn't do much for me, just due to my place.
3: So, if it would be, hands up. Mm. Okay, so one, two, three, four. Okay, thank you. So, that, yes, that was like half the audience. Okay, Um, good to know.
1: for all I
2: know, this is freely available.
1: Um, uh, one moment. Oh. What's your one unique thing? Um, I've actually never been a player in 13th Age. Um, what is one of your players' one unique things? Uh, one of my players is the bastard child of the archdruid and the orc lord. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's Very nice. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It yeah. was, I was like one insane drunken night. And yeah, they were they were at a game <laughs> convention. <laughs> yeah. They were a little tipsy. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay
2: uh, when we were we uh
1: played um in one of the uh game or, uh, campaigns here um swords against hell had a had a great time um but our our game master had this sort of player board where he jotted everything down and it was nice and organized and laid out in in a grid where names and and one unique things uh, like I said for all I know that's on the website, I haven't mm-hmm. identified it yet uh if it is but um that would be super handy okay <laughs> yeah. I don't, does that sound familiar? Is that the sheet from the back of a uh, packet? Yeah, that's uh, I did a
4: little bit of characters. okay, from okay. The okay the, gotcha. Uh, okay. uh, uh, pre general yeah. Which is available online. Oh, uh, oh so it's in it's so it's in, it's in the Gen Con pregen packet. It's the Gen Car- Yes, 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 pre-gen yes. You should all
1: download that. Oh, so yeah. good.
4: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll, we'll probably do a version yeah. three of that to fix them a thing with it lighter. Mm-hmm. But yeah.
1: Okay. Thank Excellent. So yes, it it has some uh, some GM goodies in the back of that packet
4: as well. Okay. Uh, Would you like me
2: to roll into Roll20? This came out of the discussion of SRD. Yes, we had begun (laughs) talking talking about about
1: Roll20.
2: SRD, (laughs) Roll20. Okay, so uh, Roll20 is going to play a big part in at least my life over the next year um, as we um, start also integrating our 13th age organized play with it. So we are working very rapidly, um, courtesy of one Aaron Roddenbush. To get out um, the um, Make Your Own Luck um, adventure on Roll 20 in a beautiful format. They've already seen some of the proof stuff. It will be, we believe, and the various sundry experts who work at Roll 20 believe the nicest thing on the site. Um, It's going to be an amazing adventure. Many of you have already played it. It's going to be the same adventure, but it gives you the chance to run it on Roll 20 fully integrated. Uh, this was sort of our ramp up test product and, um, they're going to be redoing our character sheet at the same time. And then season two of organized play is going to be on roll 20. Uh, we don't know the detail of how we're going to get this to work. I mean, we've got the staffing for converting it. Uh, we don't know if they're going to be selling it for a dollar or two or whether it'll be integrated with your 13 AM subscription or exactly but it will be available for use and it will be the same adventures that Ash was talking about, about the Comet Ball, the masks, um, you know, that are, and if you want to play them on Roll20 they will also be available. Um, we're also looking to release um, some premium module, you know, something big. I don't know how big we'll manage to do. It's going to be after we get these other two things in place. But we're certainly making a very major push Uh, with Roll20 to provide player opportunities. We also hope to be having a regular, um, easily accessible communique. And again, details are still fuzzy, whether or not it's a broadcast on a Google Plus channel or Warhorn or something like that that says, hey, it's Tuesday, there are six games scheduled at, you know, these times, and these three are looking for players. So that's sort of where we're going with Roll20. Yeah, something people have,
1: have been asking for literally years is where can I find a game? And we're always looking for ways to help people find games because we want people to play our games. <laughs> In short. And uh, and so as a company that makes the game, we kind of feel like it's our role to facilitate that.
3: Um, and if you ever want to run games at conventions, please, please tell us. We'll yes. do everything we can to help you. We had
1: uh, 130 or 140 Events, pilgrimage events, running this year. Yeah. yeah, 140. Yeah, that's it's incredible and just seems to be growing, which is nice.
2: Do you want to put a rabbit hole in one other direction?
1: Rabbit away. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. But
2: what's what's your one unique thing? You've been oh, asking me well, so many questions. <laughs> well, um, the let's see, there was being the world's greatest dodgeball player. Okay.
4: Um, <laughs>
2: That one was in response to Rob never watching the movie Dodgeball, which I personally consider the greatest piece of slapstick in the last um, 20 to 30 years. Did he have a wrench that he would throw at people? Uh, if, he actually, could, if he could well, dodge he was, a wrench, he, he can was dodge a monk. A and yes, I did use that line yes. multiple times. Um, Excellent. So I'm sorry. C- c- continue. So anyway, um, I that was where my rabbit hole was going. Um, anyway, uh, we were... <laughs> Now Organ, organized did, play, events, GMs... Right, um, organized play, events, GMs, and it had to have been in that area. Uh, <laughs>
4: 20, Warhorn...
2: Yeah, no, no, we had finished that. So... so. <laughs> if only we could rewind
4: the recording. So, the so what's, what's your one unique thing?
0: <laughs>
3: um, I ask people to do things very politely, and they do them. <laughs> 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 Which can you Yes. Ash? It always works.
4: Uh, for my, for my character, who just went insane, and I retired. Um, a princess hunted by her own evil future self. <laughs>
2: nice. <laughs> um. Well, one thing that is yes. related, um, we do, as some of you all have heard, have 13th Age Glorantha coming out. Yes. Uh, you know, that's certainly something that we're working with Moon Design on. Um, now Chaosium. Um, it is, you know, it's a supplement. It requires 13th age to play. And it basically provides an alternate version methodology of play. Um, Ash should probably speak to so, it well. Um, uh,
4: who here knows Grantha? Okay, so <laughs> uh, Grantha is uh, one of the oldest. Roleplay settings. If you count it being a board game, it's the oldest roleplay setting. Before it became an RPG, uh, it's uh, Bronze Age, uh, non tolkienesque mythic fantasy, uh, and it's uh, everything has a deeper mythic meaning in the setting. Uh, the mortal world is just the reflection, the emanation of this thing called the god time. Uh, in 30-page and you can do these things called myth crawls. Where you enter the god time, you interact with the myth, just like a dungeon crawl. But you're, you're going through various parts of the myth. And uh, the way that, that I pitched it to someone who'd never heard of Grandpa before is, you could do the myth crawl if it was Star Wars. You could do the myth crawl of how Luke Skywalker got his lightsaber. And if you, if you do it really well, and you come back out into the real world then it could turn out that Luke Skywalker saved his father and now there's an entirely different history. If you do really poorly, it could turn out that Luke went off and became a pilot, but never became a Jedi. And history is slightly different from how you remember it. It allows you to uh, reinforce or weaken parts of the world, which is really interesting. Um, And and so so enemies... Yes, you, you, you you can weaken or strengthen enemies, uh, because in the in the setting, it's Chaos, which is the big bad in the universe, which wants to not just end the universe, but to undo its ever having occurred, um, is now warping all these myths, so things are getting really bad, so there's... Uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. We've got uh, new classes which can port into your existing 13th Age game. So there's classes like the Berserker, which I had a lot of fun on. Uh, the Berserker is a Plus, uh, but doesn't use the escalation die. It has its own berserker die, and he rolls it every round. <laughs> he rolls a berserker die. How berserk am I? And uh, if it's if it's uh, odd, you get uh, you get um, a bonus to AC. If it's even, you g- use that bonus. Uh, you, you get to roll on a berserker table, and the berserker table, even in- though your berserkness is kind of going up and down. You're building up your Berserk benefits. So the Berserk benefits could be stuff like uh, whenever something tries to disengage from me, it takes damage. Uh, my Berserker die is now a D8 or a D12. And uh, Berserkers are great for fighting chaos because certain chaos creatures can steal the Escalation die. Mm. Yes. And now they have it and you don't. But Berserker doesn't care. He's all about fighting the escalation. Uh Classes like the Trixton, which is a uh, Jonathan Tweet played that in the playtest yeah. that I was in, and it was it was it was fantastic. A trickster is this. Oh no, I've fallen over and dropped my sword. Cal, uh, plus plus two to attacking this thing. Oh no, oh, this thing, I i accidentally fallen over, I tripped over my shoelaces again, and I stab it. And it's this kind of Mr. Bean-esque, <laughs> you don't know whether he's meaning to do this or not meaning to do this, but things always seem to work out when the trickster is around. Unless you're fighting chaos. Because the trickster has this thing with the does chaos steal the dice or not? The more tricksters you have in the party, the more chaotic chaos is. Hmm. Uh, we've also done some, um, so one of the big, Gods in the setting is Orlanth. So we have an Orlanth style fighter, an Orlanth style ranger. We have, um, so Orlanth is like the wind gods, so you're going to see some stuff like, I'm a fighter, and occasionally I fly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, it's, I, I think in 13th Age Glorantha, I mean, if you're, even if you're not going to run in the world of Glorantha, uh, this is going to be something you'll want to pick up mm. uh, because there are monsters, there are new revised icon rules. Um, based on how Rob and Jonathan are thinking about it now, and uh, seeing a lot of interest from players, because especially players of martial classes, because um, I know that casters get a lot of love because... Well, I don't know why casters get a lot of love. Um, <laughs> like
0: magic,
1: magic yes, <laughs> magic is fun. But, um, but yeah, so you're going to get Berserkers, you're going to get new variants and fighters and things like that, and so it's really going to be this nice toy chest for your players to, to plunder at will. Um, we have about ten minutes left, so yeah, let's uh, see if we have some questions. What is your one unique thing, and what is your question? Um, Wait, you just bought the game. Never mind, you get a pass.
4: <laughs> well, I'd say uh, a draconic sorcerer who's healing it borders on the miraculous. It's okay. Instinctual healer. healer, not a question.
1: Wait, what sort of healer? Instinctual. Oh, okay. Instinctual. All right. I thought you were going Marvin Gaye there. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes I have. Right. Again, when I get that feeling, it's instinctual healing. Oh, it's so Oh, no. no. I'm, when I'm sorry. Happy. What have I started? We we so I this. ask your question. Ask your question for the love of God.
4: Speaking of uh, God, um, uh, with Glorantha um, uh, having that are so important. Yes. Do they form the icons or are there both gods no. and the icons? No. So uh, the icon, at least last time, uh, last I saw, um, so I'm speaking on behalf of Robin Jonathan. Uh, and no. No icons. Okay. No icons. No, so the, 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 uh, the way that it works is there's a level above gods uh, called the, the runes. And these are the basic building blocks of, of reality law, chaos, death, life, beast. Man, that sort of thing, and and the way that the gods have their power is they embody uh, these runes. They draw their power from. I am the god of death, so I have mastery over the death rune. But really, it's the death rune that's important. So the way that the icon relationships work is it's how your character mythically relates to the world to these runes. Sort of similar, but replacing it with rune and some mechanics that
1: that tap into that instead of. Uh, directly in, to an organization in the icon. And the, and the icons in 13th Age were directly inspired by, um, by the game RuneQuest, which is the first Glorantha role-playing game, and so this is sort of them going back to the source of where they got this idea of, of you know, powers that you could ally with and, uh, and kind of exploring that aspect of it.
4: It's funny, but there's already some Glorantha in 13th Age, yeah. kind of sneakily. Uh, so patrols, trolls, a patrol monster entry in the, in the core book, Uh, says, oh, trolls have this deep symbolic life where they, they, every action has a meaning and they have this or maybe they just like wandering around eating stuff (laughs) Well, that that deep symbolic life, but maybe they just like wandering around eating stuff, is Grand The Trolls but the trolls in Grand are not Tolkien's trolls, they're this they're this whole other thing, they hate the light, they love darkness, but darkness to them is it's not evil or good, it's just Light like burns, but the darkness is their home. They can eat anything. It's it's. Um, each like, other. We eat, eat each other. Eat eat uh, eat lead. Um, the uh, when, when you pick up early page, you're going to see a lot of. Or when when you pick up any glam stuff, you'll see a lot of stuff that you're like, oh, that's So um, driders came out of. Um, oh yes. Yes. I forgot that. Yes, driders were originally scorpion people. Think because you've got the. Uh, trolled riders. You have the scorpion people. Uh, you have uh, so a lot of the, the concepts that you'll be familiar with from role-playing games. You'll be able to see their their non-Tolkien origins. Mm-hmm. So if something's in an RPG, fancy RPG, and it's not very Tolkien-esque. Ninety-nine okay. percent of the time, mm-hmm. go ahead.
1: Any more questions? Yes. One unique thing.
2: Uh, all right. So again, I'm a game master, so the. Uh my, the player's one unique thing that I like the most is I have a wizard who bleeds words instead of blood. I mentioned yes. the other day. Oh no, noise. Yes. Um, the uh, so I am super excited for battle scenes and for shards of the broken sky because I I love pilfering stuff for my for my mm. own game and I know that you guys and I love the fact that you don't release something until you have good quality. Can you at least give a vague estimate? Are we talking next year, two years from now? Like what kind um. of a vague timeframe? Really okay, so
3: battle, the battle scene's final text is, um, R- Rob has it, and he's just polishing it up a bit. Uh, it doesn't need much polishing, it's been thoroughly play-tested. So he's running that book, he will deliver the uh, the finished, uh, print-ready PDF to us. Uh, I asked for a schedule last week. Um, it'll certainly, one of them will certainly be out next year. Um, I'm hoping in the first half of next year. Uh, because most of the, the, the design and development work was being done. So yes, uh, uh, sometime early, uh, early to mid next year. Yeah. Yes?
0: Um, I was just curious. There's a, there's a product that I found on, on my local game store shelf called Dragon Kings, I think. Yes. Which has basically a, multi, a multi-system license where you buy the book, there's no rules crunch in the book. And then you go to their website and they have a 13th age version yeah. of this. Are we likely to see more stuff like that? Like, are there other third-party publishers who are going to publish something and then be able to just kind of slap the 13th age mechanics into it? Is it?
3: They're allowed to. Yeah, uh, anyone well, can.
0: This is, okay. So this is just part of your open open license yeah. type uh-huh. stuff? Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean,
2: if they, we've got, some things have the logos on them. Mm -hmm. You've seen, we have the um, compatibility, the community use, and the Archmage engine logo. Mm -hmm. And if they have one of those, they at least have some sort of contact and relationship with us, Mm -hmm. albeit often very minor. I mean, minor enough, they've sent us a copy and said, here it is, and we're shipping it. (laughs) Um, If if, if you wanted to run um, uh, Dark Sun in 13th Age,
1: pick up Dragon Kings. It's by the creator of Dark Sun, oh, okay. and it is. Dark Sun's one of my favorite things. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You will want this. You'll absolutely get it. Um, I yeah, I I don't know if any. I can't speak for anyone else, but I would love to see more it, it like that and,
3: and high quality stuff. Um, it takes a while for these things to happen. For yeah. example, with the Gumshoe system that we made uh, of both uh, OGL and Creative Commons. Uh, a few years ago. It's taken a while for people to actually make use of that. So we've got two gumshoe games coming out uh, that are not anything to do with us directly. So there's an Ars Magica version run with gumshoe, yeah. um, and there's bubble gumshoe that, that uh, uh, <laughs> Evil Hat are doing. So maybe somebody's taken this and is producing some mammoth uh, uh, cyberpunk game based <laughs> on those mechanics. I don't know. I sincerely hope so. Bubble so gumshoe is uh, if you want to play Veronica Mars with gumshoe. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah, That'd be fun. Yeah, I just hope they're high quality when they come out. Yes, because, <laughs> you know, we see them at the last moment, and I've always, I hope this is good. Yes. I Want to comment back to what
1: you're, for battle scenes. If you want to get a maybe a little taste of that, the current uh, monthly has an uh, article called Earth Culture that I did that uh, is a taste of that. Yeah,
0: I, I started reading a before I had to go. <laughs> yeah, <I guess. laughs>
1: All right. Thank you all so much for coming. Thank you for playing and supporting 13th Age. Thank you for buying 13th Age and getting started. <laughs> really hope you enjoy it. Uh, we have a fantastic community of players and GMs and creators. You can find them uh, on Facebook. We have a Facebook group that's run by fans. Uh, we have a Google Plus group. There are lots of forums out there, uh, lots of good people on Twitter sharing ideas and stories. So. Thank you so much for coming, and have a great rest of your show. Thank
4: you.
0: you. We hope you've enjoyed this special Tome Show episode featuring the 13th Age Seminars from Gen Con 2015. We'll be back to our regular programming next week. Thanks for listening.